0: Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, where our mission is to provide woodworking education for all levels and all types of woodworkers. To find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, visit us on the web at modernwoodworkersassociation.com or follow us on Twitter at NWA underscore national. Now to our host, Tom Iovino, Diami Polatki.
1: Hello, and welcome. In this episode, we present 25 questions. While at Woodworking America 2015, I was able to interview five wonderful, kind, and generous woodworkers while on the show floor and in between classes, and here are their five-question interviews.
2: Hi, I'm uh, Dan Zaner from Lafayette, Indiana.
1: Excellent, excellent. And Dan, how did you get into woodworking?
2: So I got into woodworking kind of a non-traditional route. Um, I had an empty basement when we first bought our house and a a friend of mine who had a full garage and some tools that he didn't have space for. So uh, we kind of met each other's needs there and started building some things together for his house and and for my house and some other friends uh, as they found out that I had tools said, hey, can you build something for me? And so just kind of took off from there and started taking classes and finally feel like i'm kind of building things i can be more proud of instead of well it stands up <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what
1: when you're first beginning standing up is all you need yeah
2: exactly <laughs> it's straight ish <laughs>
1: you know what we're in kansas city now and from here it's perfectly straight
2: right yeah yeah it's uh straight and flatter than a pancake <laughs>
1: so what is your favorite tool
2: my favorite tool is uh, my my Bedrock 605 jack plane. Um, I got it from one of my wife's friend's grandfather, and um, we were talking about woodworking in his shop and um, kind of looking around at his tools, and he was getting ready to get rid of some things because uh, he was not building stuff anymore, or as much. And I saw it sitting on his bench. I'm like, is that a Bedrock 605? You know what that is? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I've been looking for one, and they're a little bit out of my price range. It's like... You can have it if you're going to use it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've used that on just about every project, as long as it didn't involve carbon fiber, and um, I've rehabbed it a little bit, uh, put some new handles on it because I had some had plastic handles on it before, and found some nice rosewood handles on a, another plane at a you know flea market in town, and so yeah, just been rehabbing it a little bit. It's funny, I actually brought it to a Lenielson Hand Tool event um, to see if it how it compared to their number five. And the guy you know, showed me their sharpening method because I was kind of interested in seeing the differences between how they did it and how i do it, and put it up against a newly Nielsen, and it was just as good. Man, this is great.
1: That's great. Let, let me touch on what, something you said for a moment, and we're going to get off the question for just a second. Yeah. But you said you don't use it on carbon fiber. What do you make out of carbon fiber? So
2: one of my first big projects that kind of launched my side business in woodworking was 25 benches out of broken hockey sticks um for the rogers hometown hockey tour so i got an email one day from uh this marketing guy up in canada and he saw saw a picture of some uh, bench i'd made for a lady in long island and he's like hey this bench is perfect for a thank you gift for a hockey festival i'm putting together can i borrow buy a few of them from you i'm thinking hey maybe he wants three four that'd be cool so, later that night, we'd talk on the phone, he's like, no, I'm actually working for Rogers, like the AT&T of yeah. Canada, who just bought the TV rights of the NHL, and they're they're wanting me to put together, I'm putting together a festival that's going to 25 different cities all over Canada, and we're going to give a bench out to each town as a thank you gift. I'm like, I'm going to put you on mute and uh, <laughs> get out, yell out some expletives, and I'll be right back. <laughs> so, yeah, that just launched this huge project, and... Uh, and I think it took me from August to Thanksgiving to build them all.
1: That's not bad. I was going to ask how long. That seems rather quick for 25 benches. I had some
2: help. Um, thankfully, my, my family was uh, helpful in um, getting all the stick tape and goop off of the 500 sticks that I had. And I think I went through a gallon of Goo Gone in a weekend.
1: <laughs> well, Where did the sticks come from?
2: Uh, there's a guy on Etsy. Um, he runs a store named Hockey Stick Stuff. And he gets them from Total Hockey, so you can send in your broken sticks and get a discount on new ones. And so he buys them directly from them and sells them to people to build things with. And now he's actually... um, We're partnering up with some other guys who build things out of hockey sticks, and we're going to be forming our own website for people to come. Anybody who wants to buy anything made out of sticks... We'll be there, and each of us kind of has our own little specialties. So we'll send jobs to each other and be able to share advice with uh, you know people who want to build their own stuff. And
1: well, that sounds really cool. Really cool. That's great. Um,
2: After we're done recording, I'll show you yeah. pictures. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> who uh, can I tell? Who's influenced you the most in your woodworking?
2: Um, man, I think I'm probably going to give it a different answer than before. Before? Um, I don't up. know what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we were talking to the hall before. Yeah. I think. A lot of my family. Uh, it seems like all the, all the men on my mom's side of the family have kind of gotten the woodworking bug at one point or another. Like my, my grandfather would take us kids into the shop on the farm, and I got to build a little guitar out of you know plywood on the scroll saw, and he would build all these wooden puzzles and just like showed the kind of fun stuff you can make out of wood. And uh, a cousin of mine who actually goes to Royal Underhill's shop for classes all the time, um, he would... Show us pictures of the, all these really nice pieces of furniture he's making. And before I got into woodworking, like that'd be kind of cool to do someday if I could afford buy tools. So yeah, those those two have been a, a big influence. That's great. Um,
1: what was your biggest stumbling block in terms of learning and doing woodworking, and could you have avoided it?
2: Hmm. My biggest stumbling block, I think, kind of paralysis by analysis. So I'm an engineer by trade. I do a lot of you know research on just about anything before I do anything, so.
1: Are you the kind of guy who takes out a micrometer to measure their plane shavings?
2: Not quite. <laughs> Not quite that bad. It's more methods than, than uh, you know, details. Okay. Um, like, uh, I don't know, for example, like cutting tendons. I'll look at 20 different ways to cut tendons before I'll actually go and just cut some freaking tendons. Um, it's just one example, but it seems like every technique I come across, I've got to look at every YouTube video and Book and whatever I can get my hands on before I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go and make some sawdust now. So I think that's my biggest thing, and and how I get could get over that is just you know pick something and go build some stuff. Um, so it's, it's a
1: it's an issue that still plagues you. Okay? Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Um, to get to the last question, how has the internet influenced your work?
2: Oh man. Um, well, guys like you know the Modern Woodworking Association or the Wood Talk Crew, just being so accessible to people who are. Connected to a a wider audience and also have a really deep breadth of knowledge, and just knowing that you know, there's no real even the superstars, quote unquote, of woodworking are really accessible, nice folks who are willing to help you out, and you can contact them really easily and get through an issue in a particular project i'll
1: absolutely agree it's it's, i don't know anybody who hasn't been you know really nice and gracious when i've reached out to them people are always willing to help it's a it seems to be a very supportive community
2: yeah it's awesome and, and you're know, coupling that with you know the amount of stuff you can do on your own researching i mean just like seeing guys like uh, mark spagnuolo and steve ramsey out there on their wood on their youtube channels i mean as a kid, I would never thought of being able to watch somebody live building something and go, you know build along with them like the yeah, build-a-thon that Mark just did. Right. Like, that's crazy talk.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, Dan, thank you for sitting down with me. Before we go, where can people find out more about your work online?
2: Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Zainer Woodworking. It's uh, Z-E-H-N-E-R. Crazy Germans can't say anything the way it's actually spelled. Um, or uh, I'm on custommade.com and uh, Twitter at drzainer.
1: Well, that's great. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you very much, I We appreciate it.
3: We're here with Matt Cromona. Matt, how
1: did you get into woodworking?
3: So my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, we went to Ikea and she saw um, It's like, the basket holder things. It's like a little cabinet you put baskets in. I'm sure you probably seen them. They're pretty prolific on the Internet. Um, I saw them there. I'm like, I could probably make something that's probably a little stronger and better... Um, constructed than that, so I did. I made a out of plywood. It's the first thing I ever made in my life. That was uh, in 2008, and it kind of snowballed from there. I really built it to try and impress her, and uh, I married her, so she must have been pretty impressed.
1: Well done. Yeah. Well done. I can't say I captured my wife through my woodworking. It was more through my being obnoxious, but um, that being said, how long ago was that?
3: That was, uh, what, seven years ago. Okay,
1: and it's just spiraled out of there because you seem to do nothing but woodworking these days. That's true. I do it full-time now.
3: Um, yeah, it's kind of sprouted from there. Once I got out of college and I had some more money in 2010, it kind of just really, really, really took off.
1: Okay, well, wh- when you're doing your woodworking, what's your favorite tool?
3: Oh, it's a hard one. They're all my babies. You know, you can't... They they
1: are, they are. And adm- admittedly, you could choose something different tomorrow. But, you know, lately, on projects, what do, you, what do you get the most enjoyment out of using?
3: Um, probably my chisels more than anything. Because you can really, um, you can do a lot with them. Anything you want, and it's really a more dexterous process to use them, which makes it more challenging. And I really enjoy that because it's actually something that takes skill to use and something that you have to kind of work at. So,
1: Okay. Excellent, excellent. Um, In your woodworking, who has influenced you the most?
3: Probably everyone that I run into throughout my life and everything I see online or in print. It doesn't really matter. I pick it all up and it all kind of goes in my mind and just kind of gets pulled out at different times. Um... Nowadays, I'm kind of looking up to people who are more, I guess, mastered, I guess. So like um, like Phil Lowe, who's here, Mm -hmm. Al Sharp, people like that. And especially now that I'm more into period work, I guess, it's been really an interesting kind of place I'm kind of going with my work. So those people that are really, really good at that stuff, Really, I really look up to them now because they have so much to teach us. Okay, is
1: is period where your interest lies these days? Because I saw your your beautiful period pieces, but I've also seen the stuff you've been, build- been building for your it's a daughter, right? Your, your oh, new baby is your son, excuse me, for your son, and that's not period. It's it's lovely. I really like it, but it, I wouldn't call it period. So, is period where your interest really lies right now?
3: Um, so the period stuff I like because it's challenging. There's so much going on there, and it's something I haven't really been able to tackle. Well, I have I've done a little bit of it, but every single time you go into it, it's, it's it's a lot more challenging a project to do, and I really enjoy it because if I'm not pushing myself to do something I'm not comfortable with, I'm not growing as a, I guess a craftsman or woodworker or whatever. So, here is somewhere I look at, it, I can see, oh, that looks challenging. It looks like something I could maybe not do, and that's that's what I like to be able to think in my back of my head, like I'm challenging myself, and I may, I'll probably get through it, but there's a very slight chance that I might not get through it or am I screwed up or whatever. So that's how it grows. But the the things that I make for myself, my own designs. They tend to be more modern looking, like more clean lines kind of thing because it's, it's easier and I, I'm not that great at design overall, crazy design.
1: Okay, I, I like your design, but I, I tend to lean more modern. Um, in your woodworking, what has been your biggest biggest stumbling block? And if you knew th- then what you know now, could you have avoided it?
3: So my biggest stumbling block that I just can't get over that kind of creeps up all the time is that I can of get bored of things. So I always have like two, three, four projects going at the same time. So the biggest stumbling block is really being able to get things done in somewhat of a timely manner. So I'm going back and forth between projects because I can only, I can only take things for so long. But most of the things I make take me like, like at least a month or so to make them. Mm-hmm. So you, do you reach a point, like personally I reach a point where I'm emotionally finished with the project well before I'm
1: actually finished with the project. Do you have that same issue?
3: Oh yes, uh, I a lot of things I make don't have drawer bottoms. Because <laughs> I kind of get down like, oh it looks good, you can't tell there's no drawer bottoms in there. And then you're just good, my wife does not like that part. <laughs> Yeah, the draw bottoms tend to be useful. (laughs) It's like, thank you for making me this chest of drawers. I can't put anything in it.
1: (laughs) Um, And last question is, how has the Internet influenced your work?
3: I think if the Internet wasn't around, I don't know how I'd be able to, like, learn everything I did in such a short amount of time. More than anything, it's taught me so much. And I'm on this, I'm assuming this is the podcast, not some personal thing you're doing to listen to later for your own (laughs) Well, I,
1: I, I, won't, I won't mention how I'm going to listen to this personally. It will ultimately be published on the MWA.
3: <laughs> so without the Internet, I wouldn't be here talking to you.
1: That's that's, that's a good influence from as far as I'm concerned. Um, so people have now heard you talk. They love your work. Where can they find out more about you?
3: If you hit up my website, it's at com. It's literally just my name, .com. You can find all my work, you can find all my links to my social media and my YouTube channel where I publish all a bunch of videos about things I'm doing and techniques and projects and all that fun stuff. Excellent, excellent.
1: Uh, one last question. Wh- what are your thoughts on Woodworking in America 2015?
3: It's awesome. It's like last year. More awesome this year than it was last year because I know more people. And it's just an awesome social experience because I've never been around this many woodworkers. I don't have many woodworker friends, so it's kind of weird. None of us do. Yeah, I'm sure. That's why it's so awesome we're all here, because we all kind of feel the same way. You can meet so many more people here, and you can kind of actually talk shop and talk about projects, and the classes are great, and the marketplace is awesome, and it's like the best place you could probably go as a woodworker.
1: I I agree. I agree. Well, thank you for talking with me. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. I am here with Freddie Roman. We're on the marketplace floor at WIA 2015, and we're going to run through the five questions. So, Freddie, thank you for coming on with me, and could I ask, we'll start with how did you get into woodworking?
4: I got into woodworking because my uncle gave me my first tool chest with a whole bunch of tools that were way too sharp, and I was way too young to use.
1: Was your uncle a woodworker?
4: No, he was not. He was a a computer engineer. Dare I ask how he got a tool chest full of sharp tools? Well, it was a kid version, and honestly, I do not know where he got it from, and I have been searching for it ever since I decided to get rid of it.
1: Oh, oh, that's a shame. It's like when your mom throws out your
4: uh, baseball cards. Exactly, actually. (laughs) well what's your favorite tool boy my favorite tool i have so many that i love if i had to pick one would probably be hmm i think the six inch stair rule is my favorite
1: okay i not a not a bad tool at all i I, personally marking tools have a sweet spot in my heart so i can absolutely appreciate that
4: um in in your woodworking who has influenced you the most in my woodworking, who has influenced me the most? Um, well I have so many influences and every day I keep adding to the list. But, you know, I first started with Roy Underhill because he introduced me into kind of hand power tools and the knowledge of of woodworking and he's introduced me into being able to feel comfortable with working with my hands and that introduction that he has in that beginning of his show really showed to me that having an axe walk into a city It's okay to do to do that. So for me, I felt that that little clip there was so inspirational for me because I felt that I was an outsider living in someone different world. You grew up in the city. I did grow up in uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Okay, okay.
1: How did they take to you walking around with an axe?
4: People are very surprised even today. I think most people are are kind of shocked and want to run away or cross the street when they see me walking with an axe.
1: (laughs) Well. Uh, in your
4: woodworking, what was your biggest stumbling block, and how could you have avoided it? Biggest stumbling block is I thought I need a lot more than I really need. And I felt that, well, I feel that you don't need as many tools as you do, and you don't need as, as large of a tool selection as you do. Or when it comes to power tools, they don't have to be that massive. I figured out that you can get away with good combination of hand and power, and if you have an understanding of both, then you'd be surprised how much less you don't, you know, how much less you need. I can definitely appreciate that you don't need every tool out there. A lot of them,
1: you can get by with a very small selection. And I would agree, also agree that you don't need the biggest of everything. But in terms of quality, would you say it's worth going for the highest quality you can, or even if you get a good, not bad, but good, but not excellent quality tool, is that usually
4: enough too? I would say. A good average tool is is the best option because you can be able to manipulate it. You should be able to adjust it if need be. It should be able to get you from point A to point B. Um, You would think that you need the best, but really you'd be surprised how much an intermediate, say, older Stanley versus a Lee Nelson will give you. Okay. Okay, I would agree with that. And how has the Internet influenced your work? Boy, I've learned so much from the Internet. I've taken on so many different challenges, things that I've... What I've never tried, I now do so. I'm I'm, am on the Internet way too much. I get inspired, <laughs> and I want to try so many different things. So I feel that it's not only has it helped me grow to understand better styles and other styles I did not know of, but it also has showcased to me that a lot of this woodwork is much easier than we thought.
1: Okay, okay, I would agree. It's, there's, there's some value in
4: seeing it. everybody that does it um, shows you that you can do it yourself. Yes, totally, totally agree. And it's amazing how how... Many people are out there and how many different methods you can see and how they actually all work. What are your thoughts on Woodworking in America 2015? Woodworking in America in 2015 has been very interesting because I got to meet so many people that I've, ne- I've never met, but are, I follow on Instagram or other um, networks of social media. So for me, it was a great opportunity to catch up, great opportunity to see all these people and get a better understanding of who they are, but at the same time, notice that we all share the same passion. And what's great about this is there's a lot of so many individuals are willing to work with their hands and showcase what they make and also offer such amazing products that weren't available years ago. Absolutely. And one last thing is where can people find out more about you online? I do have a website, it is periodcraftsman.com, or I am on Facebook. And uh, you can obviously contact me via email at periodcraftsman at gmail.com. All right. Well, thank you so much,
1: Freddie. I appreciate you
4: coming out with me. Well, thank you very much.
1: We're back on the Marketplace at Woodworking America 2015, and I'm here with Allie Shore, and we're going to go through the five questions. So, Allie, thank you for coming on with me. You're welcome. And let's start with, how did you get into woodworking?
5: Believe it or not, and I told him this today, I think Roy Underhill was like one of the, was one of the first people I watched on Woodwright Shop, and I was like, that's cool. And I just started doing little things like that Uh, just you know i think i had my first thing was a coping saw (laughs) i had my dad's coping saw and that was it actually and then i got away from it and when i turned 50 i got back into it okay
1: something to keep you busy
5: actually i just love the creative outlet You know, it's just, for me, it's about creativity. And one of the things that I always laugh about when I see someone going, well, I need to do this more efficiently. I need to do it. I'm going, do you make your living doing it? And they're like, no. I'm like, so what's the rush? Like, for me, if I could spend eight hours in the shop and walk out with, like, two dovetails cut, I'm good.
1: No, I get it for you. I I put a little bit more premium on the time because I like the finished product, too. But every minute in the shop is is a worthwhile minute. I'd rather put on
5: some music and just enjoy the time and learn a little bit more. Excellent.
1: Um, when you're in the shop, what's your favorite tool?
5: Sorry for the long delay. Uh, <laughs> no, these va- are hard questions. My favorite tool... Probably... Wow, this is going to sound bad. My, my laminate router? Okay. What, what type of laminate router do you have? Uh, uh, the, the, the porta cable okay well, why is it your favorite because I just kind of discovered it and it kind of took away the, the voodoo of, of the router because the router was always like a scary tool and it's just easy to use it finishes off things really nicely just to get that little extra flourish of things
1: um, fits in the hand well Okay, well that's excellent. just to Give yourself a couple more years; you'll be up to the three and a half horsepower one. In your woodworking, who has influenced you the most? Ooh.
5: Peter Naramore, Norm Abrams, <laughs> um, and
1: hmm, my grandfather. What did your grandfather make? He
5: just did little things. He did boxes, and he became a sculptor. But what inspired me was he became a sculptor at 65. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he was sculpting stone and things. So I know that sounds weird in terms of inspiring woodwork, but it inspired me to say, yeah, you're 53. Who
1: cares? You can start something fresh. Right. Right. Okay. And I think everyone knows who Norm is, but... Peter, I don't know who Uh, he is. Peter Naramore is
5: a uh, a furniture maker on the island of Maui, and Peter is just gifted. Um, In fact, he was on the cover of Fine Woodworking when he was 24 years old. At 24, this guy was on the cover of Fine Woodworking, considered one of the, you know, a great woodworker. And uh, I have been after him now for six years to teach, and he keeps saying I'm not old enough yet. (laughs) Not me. He's not old enough to be a teacher
1: okay um w- in your woodworking what was your biggest stumbling block and how how have you gotten over it
5: hmm. Hmm. biggest uh, there's so many uh, there's so many stumbling blocks What's your most recent one the two most recent ones um you know the old joke i uh, cut it twice it's still too short i mean it's still yeah i've cut it twice it's still too <laughs> yes. short yeah um, now, the biggest stumbling blocks for me is access to people that I can kind of network and learn from. I mean, that's why I came to the show. I've learned more from just talking and having dinners and hanging out with people mm-hmm. than
1: from almost any of the classes. No, I would, I would agree. The, yeah. the best, Woodworking in America is wonderful. The best part is the people. Yeah, and while I have a lot of great woodworkers
5: on the island, most of them are artists and see themselves as artists first. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they don't hang around and talk about woodworking because it's, it's art, right. you know. And then the few that are great cabinet makers or table makers, I have two friends who are that, but they're also surfers. So if they're not in the shop, <laughs> they're on the water. So there's literally no, you know, there are no meetings like that to get together with. So I, that's actually the biggest stumbling block is is access to information, which is why I kind of dig... YouTube but uh, it's different. it, it is and it is, is a bit different. I want to put the down. It's just they're, they're performers
1: first, woodworkers second. I, I think that's not a it's not an unfair characterization. And
5: it's not a put down of them. I love what they do. You know what I'm saying? But it's like the guys like I came to see Tom Pigeon. Huh? Is it Figgin, right? Figgin, it? I believe yeah. It. Tom does videos, but he's not a YouTube Tom is a woodworker
1: who makes videos. To make
5: a video, so I came and it was fascinating just to watch. I sat and literally just watched the man saw wood for two hours just to see technique and what he talked about. You know, his class was on sawing. Mm -hmm. Got a lot out of it because it was nice to see someone share that. And that's my biggest. So that's the biggest stumbling block is access to that.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) How has the internet influenced your work?
5: I buy a lot of expensive tools now. <laughs> 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 Seriously, the Internet influence, like, all of a sudden, Lee, you know, Lee Nielsen was available to me. And companies I'd never heard of, bad Axe, And um, uh, I bought stuff from David Barron out in London. And, you know, so that's where it's opened up my eyes is to these really gifted tool makers who are passionate about what they make, you know, And I was just telling someone, I said, you know, like with Lee Nielsen, when I bought my first plane, I was like, $300. But then, because they use the internet, I watched a video on how they make one. Mm -hmm. And what goes into their making of a plane? After watching the video, I said, how in the hell do they sell it for only $300? So that's, you know, that's been the influence. Not, Not so much, I mean, obviously you learn some techniques, but you can only learn so much reading. Yeah. Yeah, you need, and, to, and video, need to have the wood in your hands to learn. And the video is the same thing. So you kind of need to just do it. So it's nice to be able to do it and stand next to someone and go, is that what it's supposed to look like? So.
1: Okay. Um, what, have, what are your thoughts on Woodwork in America 2015?
5: It was great. It was worth it. I mean, yeah, you know, I only traveled 3,000 miles to be here. So you know, it was not like it was a big trip. Um, but, no, it was great. Surprising how friendly how open, how uh, forthcoming and informative, not just the speakers, but the other attendees. Obviously, people trying to sell you things, but even then, I would say there was almost zero hard sell, which was nice. I mean, I literally had two people say to me, how do you work? Well, you know what? No, don't buy this. No, don't buy this. You know, you don't need it or, so that's kind of nice. So there seems to be a community. No, there definitely is. Yeah, it's, it's very much a community, which is kind of cool. So I'm glad I did it. Um, I wish they kept the, the booths open, you know, the, the marketplace open on Sunday. Not because you want to buy more stuff, but because the people here are so forthcoming and so full of knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. The
1: marketplace is worth visiting just to talk to the vendors. Yes.
5: Just, I mean, I got more out of You know, like if you're looking at the saw, they'll sit there and go, let me show you a better technique and they'll work with you on a saw technique and you're like, "Oh yeah, that does work better." You know, or that and it's not about, "Oh, my saw does this, so you should do it." It's just, "Here's better saw technique." So, yeah, I wish it was open I wish there was more time because with the classes, you keep sneaking in here for an hour, you know.
1: Right. Right. It was nice that they were open last night after the classes. That was the first time I was able to come down.
5: Right. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, so it would have been great if they kept it open on Sunday, but I know some of these people have to take off. So. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming on with us. Where can people find more about you online?
5: They can't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have an online presence. Really. I,
1: I know. For, for one, you're at least on Twitter.
5: I'm on Twitter on occasion. Um, I yeah. I, I, I know that sounds crazy. I don't have a real online presence in this world. I mean, I. Do. That's not
1: crazy. That's normal.
5: Yeah. I mean, I have an online presence in my professional life, but even that has changed because I'm retiring. As we speak, trying to do less and less of this and more woodworking.
1: <laughs> well, uh, you'll let us know when you do come online. I will, absolutely. All right, thank, thank you. you. I'm here on the floor at Woodworking America 2015 with Mark Hicks of Plate 11 Benches, and we're going to run through the five questions. So, Mark, thank you for coming on with us, and let's start with question one. How did you get into woodworking? I
0: got into woodworking through my, both my grandfathers and my father. Uh, they were all either hobby or professional woodworkers, uh, Grandfather on my mother's side did cabinetry and uh the grandfather on my father's side actually built a few violins before he passed away. wow that was that a hobby making violins? Yeah, it was a hobby for him and unfortunately I was uh of the age where I didn't pay as much attention as I wish I had uh, now that I'm a little older and actually doing this for a living so uh but it's great to be able to hold something like that in my hands and uh and and see his work. Yeah, it's got to be something to be proud of. Yeah, definitely. Well, what is your favorite tool? Uh I have to say my favorite tool is probably the hardest one to come by, uh, but the one you have an opportunity to to get every day, and that's patience. Um, (laughs) I'm constantly owning that tool uh, every day, so um, that's that's it, that's what I work the most on every day. I can absolutely understand that, that is a a valuable tool, not only in woodworking, but any other thing you want to take on. Yeah, definitely.
1: Now, in your woodworking, who has influenced you the most?
0: Well, yeah, my, my family, of course, but I think uh, in this current role as benchmaking, uh, Christopher Schwarz has been, you know, a great help and uh, has certainly been there to answer questions and uh, and provide a kick in the pants every now and again uh, <laughs> to keep me moving. So
1: okay, okay. Now your your plate eleven benches are based on the Rubo
0: Rubo style, right? right. So has is it a market that Chris has really created? It could be. Um, I was uh, when that when that really took flight. Um, I was just kind of like a troll working in a shop on my own. I had no contact with the, you know the, the woodworking publications or anything like that. It was only uh, when I really felt like I was stuck uh, in my woodworking that I started looking towards hand tools as a way to to move forward. And that's when I discovered French workbenches and the whole revolution had already happened. So um you know i was just for me um you know i did the research i looked at what was available and i landed on french workbenches and that led me to to christopher shores okay okay what has been your biggest stumbling block and could you have avoided it in woodworking not asking for help um you know i i took a i took my first woodworking class in 2013 which was 10 years after i started woodworking professionally and that uh you know just meeting other woodworkers meeting the instructor, it just changed my world, you know, just, you know, there's, there's plenty of resources out there. You just got to go get them.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And how has the internet influenced your work?
0: Um, it's, it, it provides a great deal of inspiration. Um, you know, I joined Instagram about a year ago and at first it was really just a, a, a serious ego check. You know, you realize there's guys out there that are, well, woodworkers out there that are just incredible Uh, But then you start looking at it from the inspiration standpoint of, of, uh, you know, okay, this can be done, you know, and and here's a little window into how it's done. Uh, And then on the other side, it's created a a network of friends and, and, you know, people that I interact with on a regular basis that I just didn't have before. So it's it's created a, a huge network of friends and contacts and, you know, it's connected me to lots of other people.
1: That's great. I, I share most of those things. And the, the community of the online and of this event is just so fantastic. Definitely. Now,
0: um, what are your thoughts on this event, Woodworking America? It's a great event. Um, they made some changes this year that, as a vendor, were, were very welcome for me. Um, we were able to actually do attend classes um, without having to leave the floor uh, a couple of times. You know, they they pushed the start time back of the marketplace one day. And then the classes on Sunday are getting better every year, so I'm looking forward to spending you know a morning with uh, Patrick Edwards, l- learning about French polishing and some other things. Uh, not stuff that I would probably use every day in my work, but uh, it's one of those things where if if the tool's in your bag, you can use it. So
1: okay, okay, I had never thought of it from the vendor's perspective, the vendors but that perspective, yeah. that makes complete sense. Yeah. Um, all right, well, thank you for coming on with me. And people want to find out more about you
0: online. Where can they? www.plate11.com or you can follow me on Instagram at MarkBuildsIt. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mark. Thank you.